technology is never my strong thing. What a beautiful invitation we have, church. Come to God. Come to the altar. Isn't he wonderful? Love that. Oh, what a saviour. Isn't he wonderful? Wonderful Jesus. Just um, got such faith for what he wants to do amongst us this weekend. So there's an invitation here. Come to him. Come. Come to Jesus. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come, all you who are hungry. Come to him. What a beautiful invitation that is. Um, we're going we're gonna to get into the words, I think, and then we're going to find some time to pray and worship. So you may want to sit down for a moment. Um, fantastic stuff. Worship team, thank you so much. Why don't we appreciate these guys for getting here early and setting up and the sound team. and It's just brilliant. So it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant to be with you. I've been so looking forward to this weekend. Going to spend some good time together. Um, thanks for having us. I thought I'd wear my summer shirt today because it's November and I don't do winter very well. So I thought I'd bring my summer shirt along. It's a miserable night and you're here, ready to engage with the Word of God, ready to meet with the Holy Spirit. It's fantastic that you're here. Can I just lay out some ground rules just at the beginning of um, kind of the evening, if that's all right? Um, I like interaction when I'm preaching, so if you agree with a point and you think it's all right, just go yes or amen. That's okay. You have permission, okay? If no one does that, I'll realize that, oh my goodness, what am I speaking? Because no one's in it with me. But feel very free to interact. I'm hoping for some interaction over this weekend. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm going to do this first of all. Um, we've brought a team um, with us from Kings for um, this weekend's team of wonderful people who I love very much. My wife, Dominique, is here. Uh, my fellow elder, Mr. Steve Cornford, who many of you will know, is here. And a whole other team of people are here. And they have come to serve, to pray, um, to prophesy, to do whatever the Father wants to do, really. That's why they're here. So I'd love to introduce them. Is that okay at the beginning? So if a stranger walks up to you and starts praying for you, you know who they are. And they're here with me. And it's okay. They're good people. So if you are a member of the King's Church Mid-Sussex, Come forward and please introduce yourselves. Come on, Steve and Dr. Everyone, quick, quick, quick. Come on, up you come. And um, listen, I've asked these guys just um, in this moment, while they say hi and introduce themselves, say who they are, if they feel there's any words of knowledge for healing, just to share that now. Believe God speaks. And um, got to have real faith that people are going to be healed this weekend as we gather. So guys, if you have a word of knowledge, bring it. Now, don't make one up. There's no pressure. You know what I mean? That's, don't do that. But if you really feel in God there is something, then go there. let's start this end. Introduce yourselves. That'd be brilliant. Hello, I'm Leandra. Hi. Some of you might recognize me and my wife, Barry and Christine. I'm Christine. <laughs> I'm Maggie. Hello, I'm Steve. Nice to see you again. Hi, I'm Dominique. Um, it's an absolute privilege to be here. What an amazing venue you guys have got. It's the first time that I've come along. Um, so, and it's a real privilege to be here with you this evening. I'm Jim. I'm Jim. Hi, I'm Jim. Uh, and my name's Peter. Thank you so much for your welcome. Uh, really looking forward to this evening to hear what God's going to say and do. I don't have a prophetic word, but that song that says, Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I got the impression some people might think, what, me as well? Yes, he sets us all free. So if you're feeling any doubt, 
it's definitely for all of us. Hi, I'm Anthony. Uh, I have been here once before, and it's a real privilege to, to come back, so thank you. Hello, I'm Ailey. Hi, I'm Nikki. And I'm Verena. Thank you very much for having us. Sorry. So I had a word for somebody here that maybe has an eye condition. It might be glaucoma or something similar to it. Um, so I, I just really believe as you listen to the word tonight, just be expectant that God's going to do something in your eyes. <laughs> you know, we're going to pray for that right now before we do anything else. And we may come back and pray a little bit more later. But let's just pray. If that's you, you know God's speaking. Father, you're the healer. You're the one that heals. Father, we believe that you speak words of knowledge to rise faith in our hearts. And so I pray, Lord, if there is that condition, an eye condition or glaucoma, I pray in the name of Jesus for it to go, for full sight to be restored, any cloudiness in vision to go in the name of Jesus. I pray even through this evening as we continue to look at the words, worship and pray later, there'll be an improvement in vision. We ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said together, amen, amen. Thank you, team. Thank you so much. So um, if these guys do pray or have a prophetic word, you know who they are now. So is that all good? All good. So we've got this theme for the weekend, which we have called Strengthened with Power. And um, we are going to be spending a lot of time in the uh, letter to the Ephesians. If you have a Bible, do just open up um, the Bible um, the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. And this idea of strengthened with power is lifted straight out of something that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. He is praying for this young church and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Let me say that again. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He wants his church to know an inner strength through the Holy Spirit, your inner being, your inner person. What's going on in here, he's praying that he wants his church to be strengthened. This is the theme of this weekend. We really want to pray for God to strengthen you as a church in here, in who you are, in who you are in God, and who God has spoken over your life that you are to be. That's what we've been praying for this weekend. Is there anyone here who wants to know a little bit more strengthening in the spirit in their inner being? Good. We're going to have a good weekend then. Power is one of the interesting themes, actually, of the letter to the Ephesians. If you look through it, the word power is mentioned many, many times. And we're going to see that as we see some of Paul's prayers. And um, you may be familiar, if you're familiar with the letter at the end, there's Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about the battle that we're in against principalities and powers. It's an interesting uh, theme that comes up time and again. And it may be because Ephesus as a city was a center of power. It was a center of commerce and huge influence. And not only that, it was a center of many, many pagan uh, religious cults that were in Ephesus. And so when Paul talks about the battle against principalities and powers, he's writing about it in a city where there is genuinely a battle against pagan temples and occultic practices going on. Um, if you read about Paul's visit there in the book of Acts, you'll know that it was in Ephesus where... Um, 
even Paul's apron and handkerchief um, where, where he touched brought healing to people. You know that verse where it says even the apron and handkerchief that he touched were brought and people were healed. There was like a power battle going on in Ephesus. I don't know if you remember, there, there's that story, I think it's in Acts 19, where it says that all the people with their witchcraft practices and occultic practices and pagan practices came to the city square and burnt their scrolls because the gospel was bearing fruit. And it says the value of their scrolls was 50,000 drachmas. Now, I don't know if you know what a drachma is, but it's like a day's wage. So I googled what the average day wage in the UK is right now. Do you know how much 50,000 drachmas is worth? Five and a half million pounds. There's an expensive bonfire in the middle of Ephesus. There is, there is a battle going on in the city. Spiritual principalities and powers. And in this moment, they're them about this power that is available to them. That he wants them to be strengthened in power. It's available to us. If, if they ever felt intimidated by the city of Ephesus, which I'm sure the church would have done, there's a power available. If, if they ever felt weak, if they ever felt uncertain that God was able to answer their prayers or sustain them in a hard time, Paul is saying there is a power available in the spirit in your inner being. If there's anyone here that has ever felt inadequate to bear the name Christ and think, how do I do this? or insignificant, or will my prayers make a difference, or how can we as Christians live in this very secular age? I don't know if anyone has ever felt like that. There's a power available, Paul says, in our inner being through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be looking at this weekend, and it's an altogether different power than any other power that we see at work around us. In fact, we'll look at this, it's incomparable. There's nothing that we can compare God's power too. It's so unique, so powerful. That's the power he wants us to know. And that's the same for us today. If you feel sometimes powerless, not sure whether your prayers make a difference, not sure how you can be a witness, not sure how you're going to actually live for Christ in this very secular age, we're going to look at this amazing theme of power. And we're going to do that by looking at two of Paul's prayers that he writes down for the church in Ephesus. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask Dominique to come and read and pray the first prayer that we read in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Paul doesn't pray, interestingly, when you read the letter, about the church's activities. He doesn't pray for their alpha course. He doesn't pray for their youth or kids ministry. Now, they're good things to pray for, don't get me wrong. What Paul is primarily concerned when he prays for this church, and this is what we're going to be looking at over this weekend, He's praying that they may know who they are in God. He's praying for their identity. He's like, if you're going to make a difference in Ephesus, it's not actually about your activity that will make the difference. It's about your identity. Because when you know who you are, when you know what you've been called to, when you know who your God is, you will live a powerful life. And it's so important for us in our prayers. I don't know about you, I'm quite task-driven, and my prayers can be quite task-driven. And actually, we spend a lot of time praying about our activity in the local church. And we do that at Kings. There's lots of things we want to bring before God in prayer. That's not a bad thing. But Paul doesn't start there. Paul starts by praying for their identity. He wants this young church to know who they are in God. And I want us to know this weekend who we are in God. Because to be strengthened with power is to know who God is and to know who we are as his sons and daughters. That's what we're going to be looking at. So um, let's... 
Let's read these verses. Dominic, is that right? You can come and read for us. That'd be brilliant. And then pray. So, brilliant. Ephesians 1. That's what we're going to be looking at. <clears throat> okay, so Ephesians 1, verses from verses 15. <clears throat> for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he asserted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Am I supposed to stop there? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I want to thank you that your word is living truth. I want to thank you that this is your truth. And Lord, we cry out to you, God, that our, our, the eyes of our heart are enlightened in order that we may know the hope that you have called us to. Lord, I want to thank you for every single person that is represented here today every single person here tonight. Lord, I want to thank you that each of them are chosen by you. I want to thank you for the encouragement that we have had this evening about us coming and resting in your presence. Of You know, this first evening, thank you, Father, that you've spoken to us about surrendering this evening to you, that your heart is longing to meet with, with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you delight in us. And I, f I just want to say thank you for all that you're going to achieve this weekend. Thank you, God, that you are faithful, that you know our heart's desires and you are able. You are able, God. You are able. And we give you the praise and the glory for all that you're going to achieve this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Brilliant. What amazing words, eh? Don't you love the Bible? Just this truth that God has given to us. Now, I really felt in my preparation this week um, for tonight and tomorrow night to really, I know it sounds obvious, but go with me, to really allow the word to speak for itself and to just to go through these verses slowly. So often we read the Bible quickly and we can miss things. They're so keen to get into it. But actually, I felt God say, just allow the word to speak. And then Nikki's just had a real sense of, we're going to see the word and the spirit work beautifully together. So I'm not going to fill these talks with lots of my stories, which you're probably glad to hear. I really just want to get into what the Bible actually says for us to reflect on. Some of these verses might be familiar to us. But what is God wanting to say to us as we look at this incredible prayer? So let's go through it. Paul starts by saying, for this reason, I have not stopped giving 
thanks for you. For this reason, well, for what reason? Now, it's always good to ask, you know, when there's a Bible verse, it starts with a therefore or a for what reason. We have to work out, well, what's he, what's he saying? For what reason? Well, he's talking about the opening of Ephesians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, just look at it with me. Um, in the original Greek, verse 3 to 14 is one long sentence. There's no punctuation. Paul like starts writing his letter and he gets so excited by what he's writing that it's like he can't pause. It's like this sentence that just comes out of praise to God for what he's done. He starts with incredible praise and it's just phenomenal. So look, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who knows here that they have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ? Shout out some of the spiritual blessings in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Just think about that for a moment. Man, I could preach on that verse. I won't preach on that verse. Just think, every spiritual blessing in Christ, he has already blessed us with. Forgiveness of sins. An inheritance that no one can take away. The promise of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Joy in all circumstances. Hope when it feels hopeless. Peace, internal peace. Every spiritual blessing in Christ is already ours. Praise God, he starts by saying that we already have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Then it's just like, oh my goodness, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow. He's chosen you. Chosen. You're chosen to be holy. I don't know how often we feel like we're holy. He's chosen you to be blameless in his sight. So often we're so aware of our guilt and shame, but we're blameless in his sight. And he's chosen you for that. He's done it, not you. Um, It goes on, he predestined us for adoption. You're part of a family now. You're not cut off anymore. You're being drawn in, sons and daughters. He's done it to the praise of his glorious grace. Um, Praise of his glorious grace in verse 6. In 7, in him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Amazing. In verse 11, in him we're also chosen, having been predestined. Verse 12, in order that we who have first put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. When you believed, you're marked in him with the seal of the Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. It's like, look what God has done for you, Ephesians. Look what God has done for you, Crawley Community Church. He has blessed you already with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He has chosen you to be holy and blameless in his sight. He has forgiven your sins by his grace. He has done this because of his own joy, his own um, joy for you. And then he's poured out his spirit upon you as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come in eternity. This is already a done deal. This is done. It's yours already. That's good news, eh? Yeah, if anyone thinks that's good news, say, yes, Jim. It's for that reason, because of what he's just said, for what he's just written, that incredible kind of prose of praise, those verses of praise, he says, because of this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith and your love for God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Because I know what God has done in your lives, I've not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. Because he knows this is a community of Jesus. This is a church born of the Spirit. And he's so overwhelmed with joy that what God's done in their lives is like, I keep praying for you. I keep remembering your faith. And I'm praying for you. And it's for this reason that I'm praying for you. And and then he says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It's like, this is all true of you, but I'm praying that you may know it's true of you. 
Who here knows that it's a challenge sometimes to believe verses 3 to 14 of Ephesians chapter 1? Who here knows that sometimes it's a challenge to think, am I really blameless before God? Is that really how he views me? I'm so aware of my failings. I'm so aware of my shame. I'm so aware of the things that I've done wrong. Is it really true that holy and blameless before him, is that really true of me? Or or maybe, is it really true that I'm, I'm chosen? Is that actually true that God chose me? Me. Not just me in a group, but me. Everything I know about me, and God chose me. Sometimes we struggle to believe this stuff, don't we? And so Paul is like, all of this is true, and I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come so you may know him better, so you may really know this is true. Because what happens when we know this stuff is true? We live a power-filled life. So what happens is this, isn't it? Because we don't always believe that we're chosen by God, and we struggle to get our head around that, we are really, really concerned by other people's opinions of us. And so we live with insecurities and we live with um, anxiety about relationships and stuff. And actually what Paul is saying is if you knew you were chosen by God, you would care a little bit less about other people's view of you because you're like, well, if God chose me, that's all that matters. Actually, that's what matters. If I'm holy and blameless in his sight, if I knew that, then actually I'd live with a greater freedom and liberty in my life because I wouldn't be walking around kind of with my head down, aware of my failures or aware of my shame because I know who I am in Christ. Do, do you see what he's saying? Like, if you knew who you were, if you knew that these things were true, it would so transform our lives. He's praying about their identity before their activity. Know who you are, church in Ephesus. How are you going to make an inroad, an impact in this major center of commerce and religious pagan cults and everything else? This is how you're going to make an impact. You're going to know what's true about you. And so I'm praying. I'm praying, he says, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come so that you may know him better. He's not praying for the courage or for breakthroughs or financial perseverance and provision. He's praying for them to know God better. (laughs) Pretty simple, actually, isn't it? When you think about it, sometimes we make the Christian life pretty complicated. Paul's primary concern for the church in Ephesus, I really want you to know your father really well, your sons and daughters. I really want you to know God better. Do you know God? Do you know him? Do you know some things about him or or do you know him? Is your knowledge of God growing? Do you know him better than you did six months ago? Do you know him better than you did a year ago? How, How do you feel it's going for you guys? You don't have to shout out your answers. Just reflect on this. Do you feel like you know God at the moment? you feel like Christian life has just become a bit functional, doing the church thing, but if someone's to ask you, do you know God? Do you know your father, like daily? Are you walking with him? Do you feel like, you know, Jesus is our model, isn't he? Jesus said, I only do what the father tells me to do. I only do, I walk in step with what the father says. I live obediently to him. Now, that's our role model for me. I'm like, I want to live a life that is hearing the father's voice. Jesus prayed, Father, you and I are one. May they be one as we are one. What's Jesus' desire for us as his church? That we may know the intimacy with the Father that he knew. How did Jesus do everything that he did? Well, he went and was spent time with his Father. We know that. He, he withdrew to be with the Father. He heard the Father's voice. I only do what the Father tells me to do. How's that going with you at the moment? Because I know what it's like. Church life gets busy and 
life is busy and work is busy and family is busy and we do the stuff, but are we actually getting to know God better? Are we beginning to recognize his voice more clearly in our lives? This is what Paul wants them to know. He wants them to know the Father. He wants them to know God better. John Stott says there is no higher knowledge than the knowledge of God himself. Now, we need to be careful that sometimes we can seek the power of God without first seeking the person of God. God, give me the power, but, oh, oh you're calling me to a relationship. Oh, right, okay. I just, I just want to like plug in my spiritual life into a charger to be powered up, and then I can do this. And God says, no, no, I haven't, I haven't called you to be like an iPhone. I've called you to be a son and a daughter. I'm here for a relationship with you. I've called you to be adopted into a family. There's no shortcuts, really. Today in our culture, everything's a shortcut. Order Amazon tonight, you'll get it tomorrow. We complain about um, broadband speeds. And so now that's one of the party political big manifesto promises because we need everything so immediately. We need a shortcut. You know, you can even buy ready-peeled oranges. Because oh, it takes so long to peel an orange that I haven't got time for it. But then they put it in plastic packaging. It's like if only the orange had its own natural packaging that would protect it. Yeah, all these shortcuts. And actually, you know, there's not a shortcut really to knowing the power of God. It's relationship. It's knowing the Father. Do you know God better? Do you know God better? This is what Paul wants them to know. So how do we get to know God better? Do I read a book on systematic theology? Well, that will help a little bit. You'll know some things, I guess. A bit more knowledge will do. That's good. It's not a bad thing to read. It's not what Paul prays, actually. Paul doesn't pray. I keep asking that you may know God better, so sign up for theological study. He says, no, so I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will come, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know the Father better. Now, the Spirit wants to help you grow in your knowledge and relationship with the Father. Spirit of revelation, that means there's stuff that only the Spirit can do that will bring a revelation in our life that we may know God more. We can read lots of books. It's great. I love reading books. They help fill my gaze with wonders. I fill my head with great uh, things, thoughts, and I reflect on the nature of God and the, who Jesus is. Great, great. But there's something only the Spirit can do to bring wisdom and revelation that we may know God better. That's why we must keep praying daily for the Holy Spirit. He's our counselor. He's our guide. He's the one who will lead us into all truth. So we need the Spirit to come. Later, we're going to be praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit so that you may know God better. Uh, I hope some people are here hungry for that tonight. Because if, if anyone here feels like they know God in the fullest nature of his being, I would love to get a coffee with you because that would be great. But I'm feeling like all of us would probably do with knowing the Father a little bit better, knowing his voice a little bit clearer. We all need to know God. We don't just live for supernatural experiences. We live for a relationship with the Father. And the Spirit comes for the wisdom and revelation that we may know him. That's Paul's primary concern. Is that your primary concern? that you may know God more in your life? Is that your like, the thing that you think when I wake up, I hope I know the Father a little bit better today? That's what Paul wants for this church more than anything else. All the things he could have prayed for the church in this city of Ephesus. How are they going to influence the city? How are they going to win the battle over the cults and everything else? Yeah, know the Father better. 
It's not complicated, actually. We make it so complicated sometimes. Yeah, there's a difference in knowing about someone and knowing them. So I've got four kids. I know lots about my kids. So my, my eldest son, he's, um, he's nine years old. He's got brown hair. He's got freckles. He's slender frame. He likes to build stuff. Doesn't really like going to school. Um, likes to play on his PlayStation. Um, there are things about him. But I know when he's worried about something. He doesn't have to say anything. I just know because I know him. And I know when he's excited about something. I know when he's anxious. I know when he's happy. He doesn't have to say anything. I know. Why? Because I know him. I don't just know things about him. I know him. And we can know things about God. But Paul's encouraging us in these prayers to know God. To know him in our lives with ever-increasing wisdom and revelation. So we're going to pray tonight for the Spirit to come. I want to encourage you to really be open to what the Spirit is wanting to bring revelation to you about the Father's heart for you tonight. To refresh, to know that you're not called as a slave anymore. You're called as sons and daughters. He's, He's called you into a family. Yeah, we serve him, but not out of duty. We serve him out of joy. But the joy only comes when we know that we're sons and daughters and he's a good father that has good things for us. Again, go back to my son. My son, his happiest place, my nine-year-old, is hanging out with me in the shed, just making stuff. And the stuff we make isn't even very impressive. But why? Because he just wants to be with his dad. And like he just needs time with me. And we'll be out there and sawing things and hammering things and this wooden thing will appear and it doesn't do anything. It normally goes on the fire. But that's not the point. It's like he just wants time And some of you have forgotten that actually you're called primarily to know God for a relationship. It's all become so driven. It's all become so functional. Wow. May the Spirit of God come. Spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know God better. Then there's three things he wants us to know. And I'm going to look at this and then we're going to pray. So he said, I pray... Keep asking the God and Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. Then it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Beautiful phrase. Whenever we read something like that in the Bible, it's talking about our inner person. It's like something in here needs to, our eyes need to be opened to see some stuff. There's like, there's some things that we can't quite understand up here, but can only be understood when the eyes of our heart are opened. That makes sense. Bit of a conceptual idea, but that's what revelation is. It's suddenly like, oh, I see it. I see it. I've, I've seen something in God. But Paul is saying, I really want, guys, you in Ephesus, and I pray this for you in Crawley, for the eyes of your heart to be enlightened to some things tonight. I want God to do something in here through his spirit that helps you to see some things about who you are in Christ, about your identity. He says... That he wants the eyes of the heart to be opened, enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. Three things. Hope, inheritance, power. Like Again, beginning of the letter, what does Paul want this church to know? He wants them to know God better, and he wants them to know the hope that they have, the inheritance that they have, and the power that they have. And I want you guys at Crawley Community Church to know these things as well. Sometimes it's hard to grasp this stuff, isn't it? 
Sometimes it's hard, like we can have a the theological understanding, I know God is love, but there's a different thing to saying, I know God's love. You know, I know I have a hope, but no, my life is filled with hope, and it impacts how I live. Yeah, I know there is a power, no, I'm going to live with power, because it's an internal thing that happens. And God, and Paul wants the church here to know something internal our eyes being opened in their hearts to know hope, inheritance, riches. Just look at these a moment. Um, hope. He, he wants them to know they have great hope in the midst of great suffering, actually, and difficulty and hardship. And you are people of hope. Do you know the New Testament writers write a huge amount about hope? And it's never a hope that God's going to change my circumstances on earth. It's always a hope that one day God's going to make all this thing, all this new. It's never. It's never, God, change my circumstances. It's, God, I pray that these momentary troubles are achieving for us a far greater glory than we could ever imagine. It's always a hope that is fixed on that day, not this day. So often because of our culture, we want this day to be sorted out. But the New Testament never promises that. It says you'll get strength in this day when you look at that day. There is a hope that you're called to. Jesus wins. That's the hope. doesn't matter what is going on culturally whether that would be with politics or economics or family or sexuality or atheism or ethics. Jesus is on the throne and he will come back for his church and God the Father will make all things new and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and we will rule and reign with Christ for eternity. That is our hope. That's our hope. It's not, will my circumstance change right now? Sometimes I don't. And what God wants us to do in those moments is live with hope in the midst of it. Because our eye isn't fixed on what is temporary and unseen. Our eye is fixed in what is, um, on what is unseen and eternal. He wants them to know the hope to which they're called. You've been called to this hope. Every single one of you. Because Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 says you've been chosen, <laughs> predestined. You've been called. So you've been called to a hope. Which means we, we live in the world which is pretty broken and chaotic at the moment. We don't give in to the fear and anxiety of the world. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen in the general election? Who knows what's going to happen with Brexit? We pray and we put our hope in Jesus. We don't get into the fear and anxiety. Why? Because we're people of hope. We're people of hope, great hope in God. Yeah, we get, we get involved, we campaign, but we don't take on the kind of the culture of our world. No, we're not conformed by that anymore because we've got hope, which is beyond all of that. Yeah, every kingdom will fall. Every political party will one day just turn into dust. Every leader comes and goes. There's one that won't, Jesus Christ. He's on the throne and he will always be on the throne. Sometimes we forget the hope that we have as Christians. Sometimes we live lives and we might feel this feels hopeless. How do we find hope? Well, we pray for people to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they may know they have hope. Yeah, you can read stuff about it, brilliant, but there's something the spirit wants to do in us that brings hope. The glorious inheritance, wow. The riches of his glorious inheritance. Oh, man, if we could just grasp this. We have an inheritance that is being prepared for you and me right now. That's what the Bible says for eternity, co-heirs with Christ. So everything is the Father's. The Father said, I'm going to give it all to the Son, but not just the Son. I'm going to give it to everyone who's in my Son. 
So if you're in Christ, you get a share in the inheritance of the Father, and it's yours. And it says in Peter, no one can take it away. No, it can't perish. It can't be stolen. It can't fade. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Do you know what? I think we would be more willing to sacrifice on earth if we had a greater awareness of our inheritance in glory. I think we'd be more willing to die to things on earth if we had a greater revelation of our inheritance for eternity. Because we're so caught up in the now. What I need today. What the world is offering. And it's like, now just lift your gaze a minute and just consider this inheritance that the Father is preparing for you to be a co-heir with the Son for all of eternity. Don't fix your eyes on the next iPhone upgrade. There'll be another one in six months. Fix your eyes on the inheritance that no one's going to be able to upgrade, take away, because there is no upgrade because it's God's best for you. Fix your gaze on now. I want you to know this, he says to the church in Ephesus. I want you to know it. Oh, I'm praying that you may know it. Because when you know the hope and when you know the riches of your inheritance, man, you live differently. You just live freely. You don't live like burdened by so many of the trappings because it's like, oh, no, I'm free from all of that. I've got this hope. I've got this inheritance. Is this good news? Yeah, it's good news, isn't it? Therefore, we don't lose heart, Paul says. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. I feel like that often when I fall asleep at the dinner table. Yet inwardly, we've been renewed day by day. It's an inner thing. It's an inner thing. It's what God wants to do in here, our heart and your inner being. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow. If we could just grasp that. It's ours. God's inheritance is ours. Paul doesn't think it's strange that we actually think about that. We don't think about it very often. We don't think about eternity very much. The Bible says God's put eternity in our hearts. It's okay to think about their inheritance. Finally, Paul says that we know his incomparably great power for us who believe. It's incomparable power. It means you can't compare it to anything else. Sometimes you fall into this trap and think, oh, what are we going to do? Well, rampant atheism. Well, no, this is an incomparable power. There's nothing on earth that comes near to the power of God. There's nothing. All, all other powers and authorities and rulers and dominions are, are, are just dust compared to this greater power. I want you to know. I want you to know, Paul says. I'm praying that you may know his incomparable power. Who's it for? For us who believe. It's not, it doesn't say for the professional Christians or the really keen ones. It says for those who believe, believe in Christ. So it's available if you believe in Christ. It's for you. It's for you. We can know this power. Greater than any stronghold. Greater than any occultic practices in Ephesus. Greater than the power of the Roman Empire. Greater than anything else. Greater than any power or strongholds that exist in cruelty. There is a power available for you in Christ. And Paul's like, I pray. And I've been praying. Oh, I pray the church would know it. We know this power. It's not comparable to anything else. If we're here to transform lives and transform communities, we're going to need to know the power of God, aren't we? They're working us. And Paul prays it for them, so it's okay to pray it for us. Actually, this is a really helpful model. If you're in like a small group or like discipleship situation, you're praying for one another, you're not sure what to pray, pray this stuff. This is the best thing that you could pray over people, isn't it? Hope, riches, power, knowing God better. It's a great model for us. This power, it goes on to say, is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow. So no wonder Paul is praying, I pray you may know that, because I don't think I fully know that. I don't know if you're the same. I don't know if I fully know in my life that I'm living in the reality of this promise, that there is a power available to me that is um, the power of Father's mighty strength when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, far above, look at this, all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked in the present age, but also the age to come. It's like, there's a power that rose Christ from the grave and seated Christ over all authority, and that power is available to you to be raised up in Christ and to be over all authority in Christ. It's yours. Can you know it? Do you know it? The power that overcame death, the power that destroyed sin, the power that ushered in a new creation that is available to us. So how do we get that power? Because so often we think it's like, if I go to the right event and the worship is like, okay, or whatever it is, then I'll kind of plug in and I'll get this power. No, no, we need to go through the whole thing. First of all, you, know the fu- you need to know the God better. <laughs> it's relationship. It's relationship. Then you need to know what is true of you already, that you have chosen, that you are called, that you have hope, that you have an inheritance. It's like, it's like we want the shortcut, but Paul said, no, no, it's about knowing who God is. It's about knowing who you are and then knowing that there is a power because you're seated with Christ and Christ is in you and you're in him and you're a father or daughter of the son and the, the, uh, you're a father or daughter, oh, son or daughter of the father. The father delights over you. It's who we are. It's knowing some of these things that Paul is longing for them to know. I need to know God better. I don't know about you. I need the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation to help me know the father better. Not just things about him. I want to know him. I want to know his voice. I want to become more like Jesus. I hope we would all want to become more like Jesus. Well, Jesus says the Father and I are one. I'm wanting to know what that looks like in my life. Only the Spirit can help me with that. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to know this hope. I want to know this inheritance. I want to know this power. But remember, when we talk about being strengthened with power, it flows out of relationship. It's not isolated. It's not separate from our relationship with the Father. It flows out of our relationship with the Father. That's the first place we start if we want to be strengthened with power is to know God better. Anyone want to know the Father better? Why don't we stand? I think I've said enough. Let's, let's pray. Let's just wait a moment. I'm not entirely sure what God's going to do in these moments. I think it's okay just to wait for a minute and see what the Spirit wants to do. I know some of the team here have got a couple of prophetic words. And if you want to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know the Father better, why don't you just open your hands? Just a great posture before the Lord to say, I really want to know you, Father, poet or spirit. Just gonna simply pray for the Spirit to rest on us. The dove. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Holy Spirit.
Father, I pray for Crawley Community Church, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come, that this church may know you, Father, better. Take them deeper, Lord. Take them further in the knowledge and revelation. Spirit of the living God, our guide and our counsellor, I pray you do heart work tonight in our inner man, in our inner being. Let's just wait. Let's not find silence awkward. It's good just to wait. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to um, start asking us to pray for one another. But I think God just wants to say a few things um, to some individuals. I just want to encourage everyone, please don't, um, in these moments when words are being brought, um, become a spectator, so to keep receiving from God. Even if the word doesn't speak directly into your kind of situation at the moment, keep receiving from God. This phrase is just in my head. Um, you've forgotten what the Father's voice sounds like. And what's scary for you is that you haven't even noticed until now. That you've been busy as a Christian, really busy, really busy. Externally, it looks like everything's, everything's going on <laughs> just fine. But if you're honest, it feels like a long time since you've actually felt like you've heard the Father's voice either in the word or in prophecy or just in your quiet moments with him. And you suddenly realize there's been like this gaping hole. And the father would say, I'm here. I'm, I'm speaking now. I love you. I delight over you. I miss you. He's not angry with you. He's just longing, longing to start a conversation again with you. If there's you, just receive from the Holy Spirit in the moment. We'll